0: And I don't know what that looks like, but I'm working towards it. And I think that's where my happiness is coming from. And that doesn't mean that every day I'm having tons of pleasure. Um, It doesn't mean that every day is like super fun, objectively, type one. But it does mean that I am bringing my best self to the table. And I think that's what happiness is.
1: That is a human who refuses to be defined by anyone's terms, Lizzie Van Patten and this is the wilder mind podcast my
0: mind grows wilder when i stoke that fire inside
1: hear the call in the distance it's a long road worth your while hey hi hello everyone i am your host cody cameron and welcome the sixth episode of the wilder mind podcast i am so thankful that you're here listening tuning in sharing subscribing and allowing me to do this to have these conversations to share with all of you thank you thank you thank you today we sit down with the incredible human and co-founder of she moves mountains lizzie van patten who also well, if you want to know this, Liz, right here, Lizzie, 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 Lizzie. Lizzie. What is going on in your love life these days? But it hurts to walk away from the one you love. It hurts to leave, hurts to leave, but to stay. Only hurts me. More. I see you, you yeah she can also sing like you would not believe i met with lizzie and the amazing team of she moves mountains in bend oregon which served as a sort of base camp for the opening weekend celebration this involved everything from meals to presentations at a local gear shop the clinics all for women by women were conducted in smith rock at various levels of skills and styles i cannot express how wonderful of an event this was to be around I had an absolute blast setting a static line and hanging there to snap some shots as climbers learned new skills reached new levels of accomplishment and supported one another in every way possible it was such a unique perspective into this beautiful environment supported by Shimu's mountains oh, baby, I started this podcast to help inspire others and had a sense that it would do the same for me. Turns out, I was rather conservative in my estimations. These conversations are changing the very core of me in the best way. They're truly making me a better person, filling the pages of my journey faster than I can read them. I say the following each time, I'm sure, and it's because I mean it. I hope, with the deepest of sincerity, that it can do the same for you. I hope you can be inspired to push further, to try harder, to excel, to achieve. I recognize that it's not that simple for everyone, given any number of circumstances, to just begin, or to keep going. I know there's no magic button in life that you can push and make all the things, the complicated, weighty, and emotional things, just go away. But, if I may be so bold to put it all into really simple terms, this isn't your practice life. This is it. I also recognize the privilege that affords me my perspective. I am a cis straight male POC adopted into a white family with two loving and hardworking parents. I could go on. I know that the barriers to entry for what I set out to do don't compare to those without the same privilege, so I'm not claiming it's easy. But my hope is that everyone can feel what it's like to feel good, to feel great, to visualize what you are capable of and achieve that. To face every can't in life and say, no, I can. Let me show you. And with that, I am honored to share yet another conversation that has had such a great impact on me, this time with the one and only Lizzie Van Patten. Now, let's do the damn thing. Letting me intrude upon the opening weekend for She Moves Mountains. So how has that gone after day two? We're on day three now, correct?
0: Yeah, I guess today is day three. I think that things are going super well. I like to say that things are good enough because that's how I maintain my sanity. Because there is a high level of expectation I have for myself and the events that I put on. And I found that I can't do everything to that high standard. And so, for example, last night I never created a poster for the event. I did what I consider to be a poor job promoting it, but people showed up, and it was good enough, so I'd say this weekend is a little bit more than good enough, despite my lack of effort.
1: Well, lack of, I'm not sure if it's lack of effort. <laughs> yeah, true. I, I've been around this for just, you know, a couple of days, and there is a lot going on, and there's a lot on your shoulders, and all the guides, and I've lightly chatted with people as they climbed and afterwards and everyone's having a blast and learning a lot good
0: to hear because i don't really get to chat with them i'm more just running around making sure everyone is safe and has what they need
1: Uh, they seem to have all they needed and they're really safe i'm doing my job but you did a great job um lining that up too when we were hiking in and you stopped everyone and said i want to have a quick conversation And you said, these are the things that I'm setting out to do today. If you need something from me, you need to bluntly tell me those things. Um, So I don't think you get there without going through something that shows you that you need to communicate that. So I'm assuming it's not always been that way. What did that look like for you when you first started this?
0: I think I might have always been that way actually because there's something that Yvonne Chenard says that he was a reluctant businessman and I have always felt that way so I didn't want to start my own business she moves mountains came to be through a few different circumstances and I loved my life before she moves mountains very much so rock climbing living out of my van traveling the world being a kind of dirt bag
1: each little ecosystem we involve ourselves in often come with their own lexicon perhaps words created through portmanteau or onomatopoeia and in some cases like this one here words that we've adopted and given a different spin in terms of sentiment dirt bag to non-outdoor enthusiasts still holds the same negative connotation that it always has unkempt unsightly and not part of polite society To the outdoor kinds, though, it's a badge of honor. Dirtbag means you've accustomed yourself to simple living. Showers are rare. Home is anywhere. And a life beholden to four walls is as restraining as two hots and a cot. Dirtbag, to some, is the ultimate freedom.
0: And so when I started Shimu's Mountains, I was very adamant about protecting myself and not allowing it to take over. And so I've always kind of set these boundaries around what I can do with it.
1: That's awesome. Wow. And that's, it's really important because I think that's what happens to a lot of people that start something, and unless just use She Moves Mountains, you can get so wrapped up in it and what everyone expects you to be in this that you don't enjoy it anymore because you're not enjoying your life. Um, and if you can step back for us and go all the way back to like Washington and and your time there climbing and how you got into this I it's a fascinating story and uh, if you could share that with us
0: into climbing in general or into she moves mountains
1: I think they kind of flow into the same right yeah
0: they do (laughs) so I graduated from college I went to Western Washington University and I studied mathematics and political science and social studies And for most of my life, I had defined my self-worth off of being a student. I did really well in school, tried really hard, and when I graduated, it was a moment of almost aimlessness. I didn't know how to define myself any longer. And one of my friends bought me this poster, and it's a quote of something called the Holstein Manifesto. And one of the lines in it is, do what you love and do it often.
1: The complete manifesto is, this is your life. Do what you love and do it often. If you don't like something, change it. If you don't like your job, quit. If you don't have enough time, stop watching TV. If you are looking for the love of your life, stop. They will be waiting for you when you start doing things you love. Stop overanalyzing. Life is simple. All emotions are beautiful. When you eat, appreciate every last bite. Open your mind, arms, and heart to new things and people. We are united in our differences. Ask the next person you see what their passion is and share your inspiring dream with them travel often. Getting lost will help you find yourself. Some opportunities only come once. Seize them. Life is about the people you meet and the things you create with them. So go out and start creating. Life is short. Live your dream and share your passion.
0: And what I loved for so long was doing math. And I mean, I don't know how many people often sit around and just like do math.
1: There might be three others in the world.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And so I was trying to figure out what that looked like for me. And I lived in Bellingham, Washington, which has this area called the Chuckanuts. And there's a bunch of trails. And so I just started wandering outside. And I would decide like every day I'm going to take a left at the intersections and wandered around these mountains by myself mostly and then i would take a right and i explored (laughs) this whole area and i was like okay this this might be what i love and so i bought my first hiking book and there were 25 day hikes off of mount baker highway and i decided that summer i wanted to climb all 25 of the hikes and i remember on all of these different hikes i would stare off and see mount baker in the background and i wondered how do i climb that So I wandered into the American Alpine Institute, which is a guiding service that bases out of Bellingham. And I literally just said, I want to climb Mount Baker. How do I learn how to do that? And there were two (laughs) options. One was a six-day course and another was a 10-day course. And I really wanted to not be guided up it, but I wanted to learn the skills to be able to go back and do it myself. And so I signed up for a 10-day course. And for 10 days, it was me and 10 men. And we had a great time in the mountains. We summited Mount Baker. And then we went out to Washington Pass. And they had a female guide come in for a few days for that portion of the trip. Her name is Angela. And I was guided up a 5-6 in Washington Pass called the Becky Route. And I remember standing on top of this climb feeling like I was the most badass person that had ever set foot on that peak. I have this really dorky photo of me with my leg propped up on something and says, feeling like a badass. And I just felt endlessly capable and alive. And so the following month, I decided that I was going to buy a trad rack. So I did that. And then the following month, I went to the Bugaboos with a friend and just followed him around. And then by the end of that month, I decided that I was going to lead my boyfriend at the time up a three pitch five seven in the subalpine in Washington Pass. And he told me that I needed to spend a lot more time at home practicing because he almost died.
1: Oh. <laughs> Wow. He
0: didn't almost die,
1: <laughs> but
0: it, maybe some of what I was doing was a little questionable. And that year, I decided I was going to go to South America for a year to explore. And I bought a one way ticket, broke up with my boyfriend, and headed down by myself. I went to the northern regions of Patagonia, hiked into the mountains by myself, being able to lead 5.8 trad and spent about a month in the fray where I met some amazing people who probably kept me alive and then I went to Cochamo where I spent another like month and a half climbing around in Cochamo and came back to the US, realized that math was going to have to take a (laughs) back seat, that I probably wasn't going to be an actuary because I had no idea how I was going to sit behind a desk after that. And I decided that I wanted to become a guide. And so I applied for a scholarship in honor of an amazing woman named Liz Daly, who passed away in an avalanche down in Argentina. And I received this first scholarship in her honor. It was called Guide. It is still existing, called Guide Like Liz, and took my first guiding courses. Following that, I went back to Patagonia the following year. Then I decided that I wanted to be able to climb five eleven in the Alpine, and so I moved to Smith Rock to work on sport climbing because I thought that that would help. Got a job as a guide with Chalkstone Climbing Guides and Jim Blau and worked at the local coffee shop called Red Point. And Jim allowed me and one other woman named Carrie to teach women-specific clinics under his company. And using just my social media, Instagram, I was able to fill clinics. And then we came back to do them again the following year. And Jim is a very special man who likes his company the way it is and uh, the conversation from my understanding was something along the lines of if you want to do these you can do two a year but if you want to do more you should do them yourself and so I, I cried a lot after that because I didn't want to have to start my own company to do these clinics but I didn't know what else to do and Carrie, she believed so much more in it than I did. And, um, she really pushed it. She's like, we can do this. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I love my life. Like, this is going to change my life. It's going to take over. And I talked to some friends and I have the best cheerleaders in my life and they encouraged me and made me believe that I could. And so we created an Indiegogo campaign. We raised 110% of our funding, so about $13,000, and started our first clinics in July of, I believe, 2017.
1: Wow. So you've been doing this since 2017? I, would, I, I, would, I thought a little longer, actually.
0: This is going into our third season, so it hasn't even been two years since it started.
1: Holy shit. <laughs>
0: And I haven't even been climbing for five.
1: I'm, a- I'm actually really blown away right now because there were details in there that I wasn't aware of. Uh, I thought that the duration of your climbing was longer and I didn't realize the reluctance to start it. Wow. <laughs> it's like I'm trying to like take that in right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. No. Um...
1: I thought I had all these questions lined up that I wanted to ask. And now I'm like totally going a different direction because that's insane. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's felt a little insane at times and there's this interesting thing where we were faced with a lot of skepticism when we started and it was pretty fair. So I started a guiding company with a year of experience guiding. That is, that is a recipe for some sketchiness and We went into it with very clear minds and we chose to do everything to the highest standard that we could. So both my partner at the time and I were certified or are certified through the AMGA, which is the American Mountain Guide Association. We had our single pitch instructors and we chose to only operate within our scope of practice. So I still to this day have never taught someone a multi-pitch climb.
1: It's important to note here that it is not currently mandatory to operate within your scope of practice as an instructor or guide. However, it certainly is a recommendation that folks do so to ensure the safest experience for all involved in any instructed or guided pursuit outdoors on any terrain. Although many may have the skills to operate beyond their level of certification, it is a highly commendable control to not do so in an instructor slash guide and client scenario. More info can be found in the show notes with specific American Alpine Guide Association links.
0: And that was really important to us because we knew what we were doing. We knew that we shouldn't be trying to pretend to be something we weren't and that we were new. We had also ran these clinics so we knew that we could do those. And so we started off just me and her and we taught all the clinics, handled all the administration, and only at taught clinics that we had previously taught, just to make sure that we were checking our bases off. <laughs> so it's been a lot. Um, it's grown really quickly, and this year we're actually doing less clinics than we did last year. Um,
1: by design, or yep, by design. Wow. So it's interesting, though, and and I'm not trying to like just fully say like in defense of you, but I remember. It's been a while. I read an article in Outside Magazine, or it was even it was like a little paragraph, and it mentioned if you walk into a coffee shop in you know some climbing town, and there is a guy in a brand new polished Patagonia jacket, or one that's covered in duct tape and tears and dirty, and the guy is kind of smelly. Who has the better stories? Who would you rather talk to? So in my mind, you can stack yourself. Okay, you had a year of guiding when you went into this, but you had all these years behind that gaining. Important requisite skills and life skills in Patagonia, in Washington. I personally would choose the guide who's been to all these places and who's been outdoors experiencing it for themselves and learning all these things. Um, But I mean, we talked about it yesterday, the coursework here and the certifications are not required in North America, but you're getting those, you have them and you're still, I mean, you were in Joshua Tree earlier working on, was that for... That's my rock guide course. The rock guide course, yeah. The AMGA.
0: So I did... I just finished up a 10-day course for my rock guide. Uh, that's the course. And then the next step is another 10 days, which is uh, it's half of an exam and half coursework. And then there's still following that another exam before I'm a fully certified rock guide.
1: And a lot of those are, they're going to like witness you while you climb and perform all these. And pretty, you have to be able to climb at a pretty high level for the rock guide, right?
0: actually for the first course you just have to be able to do five nine trad
1: oh okay okay that's still i mean that's to do it with someone watching and critiquing i i personally think it's probably kind of hard
0: (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to sound like a snob but that that part doesn't feel like the hard part for me well
1: you did on-site course in buggy so
0: (laughs) which that was fun
1: probably was casual for you that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Course and Buggy is a four-star 11AB trad route in Joshua Tree National Park. Thin gear through technical climbing and careful stemming to some just-in-time hand jams as one approaches the upper crux. Spicy. <laughs> so I, I want to ask, in, you know, however much you want to talk about it, but I think, it's, I think it's really important for your story. That, that criticism that you went through when you first started She Moves Mountains and maybe after the first year... What did that look like? And do you think that there was maybe undue criticism?
0: I don't really think, looking back, I don't think there was a lot of undue criticism. And at the time, I don't think I felt that way. At the time, I was still so, it's one of those things where you can't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. But I would probably criticize in the same way or say them, maybe not out loud, but I would think the same things that people were saying about me if I knew someone with the level of experience I had had doing what I did. So, undo? No, not really, actually. Um, pretty, because they weren't being mean. Um, and I don't know if criticism is even the right word, but I've kind of transitioned to saying skepticism.
1: Skepticism, okay. Yeah.
0: Because it's just, they're like, I don't know about this. Who are these people? What are they doing? They just show up and think that they can do this. And that was true. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) I mean, I did, we did. And I think that's a healthy level. We are being entrusted with the lives of other humans. And there's a lot of people who come in and think that they know what they're doing who don't. And if we don't look at them with some skepticism, I think some shady stuff can start happening.
1: That's a very good point. And so
0: there is a high standard that does need to be upheld in the guiding world. I just think that anyone being a skeptic of you or any criticisms when you're working so hard and doing the very best you can feels undue at the time. And looking back, now that I'm in a better place, I can see the things that were said or the criticisms and think, ah, oh, that, that was pretty fair, okay, I'll take it.
1: Good for you. That takes a lot of self-awareness and a <laughs> lot of, I'm sure there were a lot of moments that it didn't feel quite um, as easy to get through that.
0: No, there was a lot of crying, a lot of phone calls that were answered with me just on the other end like this person said this about me <laughs> and it's just because they just don't want me there <laughs> not saying there has never been criticism of me but i don't think from the higher levels
1: yeah that, and, and that <clears throat> i mean that makes sense because that's probably also part of the barrier to entry and it should be that it, in some ways it does take people to show up and say. Yeah, I think I can do this, and we wouldn't have any climbing, right? If somebody didn't walk up to Tequistec Rock and say, "Yeah, we can climb that," but at the same time, you're right. We need to have that skepticism because this is dangerous stuff that people are doing. Um, and teaching somebody how to safely navigate rock climbing is—it's not like walking on a hiking trail. Not at all. Yeah,
0: there needs to be. There needs to be a standard that is upheld
1: yeah and i loved that conversation yesterday when we were walking back to your to your van about all of your guides and um the standard that you know you set for them and that basically you love the bend community because that's how everyone views it here that's a great way to come up Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah
0: i'm supported so my old boss jim from chalkstone he does most of the certifications for my guides they go through he teaches the single pitch instructor program and i always try to have them go through him and Timberline Mountain Guides is another group out here. They're also have the name Smith Rock Climbing School and they're another guiding company out here where the, one of the owners has offered to do some mentorship with my guides and some of their guides have offered to help me individually out and my guides and are always just there to support us and build us up because we are the newer guides in town and that company, those companies have a lot of experience so we have a lot that we can learn from them and it very much feels like they want to help us be successful.
1: That's like the ultimate kudos when the old guard says, all right, come along with me. Like, I can help you out now. And that's awesome. And yeah. Well, hard earned, too. No one just gets that. That's And so now you're starting a mentorship program. Yeah. Can you explain? Because I actually don't know a whole lot about it, but I know I had a friend that was supposed to be here for that. And she was like heartbroken that her work wouldn't give her the time off, but she was really excited for it.
0: Yeah, so um, the statistic these days is that 8% of rock guides are women from the AMGA. So females are significantly underrepresented in that field, and I don't pretend to exactly know why.
1: The AMGA State of the Guiding Industry is full of fascinating national-level data. Since Lizzie and I have chatted, the latest release reports – 11% 11% of the guiding industry is now female-based. Still, this is an incredibly disparate figure compared to males, but increasing at least. Check out the show notes for a link to the entire report. Intriguing data, beautifully designed infographics. Good stuff.
0: But I do feel like I have in a, I'm have in a unique position to help change it. And one of the ways we can do that is by creating opportunities for women to see what it is like to be a guide. And so becoming a guide is is a huge investment. It costs a lot of money. It takes a lot of time. You have to invest in your skills. And that's a lot to do if you have no idea if you actually even would want to be a rock climbing guide.
1: It's very true.
0: And so the idea behind the mentorship program is to create a spot at our different clinics for women to come and shadow to see the clinics to see how they're run and kind of get a feel for if that's something that they would like to do in their life and these women they submit a climbing resume and they have to come to a training with us they come technically as clients as part of our guide to client ratio but they just assist our guide And so tomorrow we have 18 women coming in from all over for the program and I have set it up so we have a mentee at every clinic that we have. We have about 40 clinics this season and 10 events and we have mentees for those. And so that tomorrow they'll meet with all of my guides and they'll get to go through some trainings with them, learn like where they're allowed to step in, where they need to step back and then throughout the year we will host meetups um one of the guides for timberline mountain guides is going to be doing a training with them because he has skills that i don't to teach these people and so the mentorship program is just creating a space for women to start exploring what it would look like before having to make this commitment and Yeah, I don't know. I'm excited about it. It's something, She Moves Mountains originally, in my mind, was just a way to teach women to rock climb. And as it's grown, I think it's adopted this other mission, which is to create a space for women to be in the professional guiding world and to start affecting things in a higher level. And that's become a really big passion for me.
1: It's crazy because as I'm listening to all of this and everything you're doing, this this is huge. It's uh I mean it's way beyond, like you said, when you just wanted to teach women to rock climb. But what does this feel like for you to have be building this and, and what you've already built and all the lives you've impacted?
0: I had a really neat moment at my apartment on Friday. So I just got my first apartment yeah. in like four years. <laughs> I could actually afford to pay rent for the first time in four years and I'm so psyched but I was sitting in this room with my guides so I'm going to say their names because they deserve recognition oh yeah please do I have Jessica Olson who we called Joe I have Katie Paulson Sarah Regan Jenny Abag Myself, And then this weekend we had with us Josie McKee as a guest guide. And then I call her my right-hand woman, uh, Tori. And I was sitting there and I had to have a guides meeting, which still feels really funny to me to be in the position to be giving like guidelines to Jenny Abeg and Josie McKee. Like, all right, guys, (laughs) listen to me. But at the same time, I sat around and looked at these women who inspire me so much and have been people that from the beginning of my climbing, I have looked up to and to feel this, like I belonged there. I I belonged in that circle. And also in our guide meeting, there were some tears and that was okay. And it doesn't take away from how badass we are. And there were questions and there was self-doubt admitted and there were vulnerabilities shared. Then there was also celebrations of, like, accomplishments. And I just thought, like, this is what this can be. And this room is so special and so powerful. And I created it. And a lot of the time I try to put myself in check. And, but it was one of those moments where I just felt so much pride in in what i've done. And there are moments where i get really frustrated with myself for not doing something well. But there are moments like Friday sitting surrounded by my amazing team feeling so lucky but also feeling like i deserved it. And it's it's this up and down that I ride. Um, And it's, I think it will continue to be like that forever as I find balance and grow into my position. And I think for the majority of the time, I've, I've really struggled with imposter syndrome, just being like, who am I to be in this place? Like, I don't belong to be this person. Like, why is it me? that is doing these things um and but then there's times where I'm like you are the person who is supposed to be doing these things and and yes people want to interview you because you have an interesting story and um yeah so I think I go back and forth between that on a fairly regular basis but I guess what does it feel like in the past, I'd say three months, it's felt like an absolute dream. Um, I feel so fortunate to be so passionate about something that sustains me financially. And that is not a position many people get to be in. And not only does my job like allow me to surround myself with an incredible team, but to also get the feedback from the women who have come through our clinics and to think like, i did that that that's pretty neat and i've also done it in my way and i've done it while maintaining like my love of climbing and i still get to climb quite a bit and i yeah so lately it's felt really really great sometimes it feels overwhelming but right now i'm in just one of those moments of my life's pretty great (laughs) especially now that i have an apartment
1: (laughs) having like uh I loved how Abby, when I, I had a conversation with her, put it when her and Cal got their house. A home that stays put is how she referred to it. Yep. Probably has to feel pretty great. Oh, hey. I almost didn't see you there. How are you? Enjoying your day? Oh, what's that now? You need some help bringing your brand identity to life? Well, I'll just be danged as heck. I know just the person you need to chat with. Her name is Danica, and she is the genius behind Finlater Creative and behind the Wildermine branding and so much more. Why don't you head on over to finlatercreative.com? That's F-I-N-L-E-T-T-E-R creative.com. Hopefully, you can spell creative or slide into her DMs at Creative. Drop her a note, tell her I sent you, and see what she can do to help with your brand identity. Art direction, illustration, logo design, and all that good stuff. She's an amazing human. One of my favorite people. And she packs a major creative punch. Um. So continuing on with like all the high moments, it was awesome to be able to talk to your mom today. Her response was beautiful. So what was... What was that like for you? Because that was her first... Well, she says her first time climbing, but you, her first time climbing outdoors. So how was that to have her sneak in and not tell you?
0: <laughs> so a little background. We just... We're in the middle of opening weekend right now at Smith Rock. And my mom signed up through our website without telling me as if I wouldn't know. But so far on the administrative side, I am primarily a one-woman show, so of course I saw my mom <laughs> signed up. And I'm not guiding this weekend because I needed to be able to run around and have the freedom to do administrative side of things, so I set her up with Joe, who is my most patient guide. <laughs> oh. <laughs> very intentionally. <Ouch. laughs> my mom's great. She knows she's a lot. <laughs> and it was very important to me to be there for her first climb, so... I remember being like, "I need to go find my mom," so I, I ran over.
1: I and, heard you say that as you went away. <laughs>
0: and I ended up finding her in the middle. She had she had gone up probably about 20 feet, so I escaped the belay from the belayer that was belaying her, and I ascended the rope on the grigri so that I could be alongside of her. I wanted. I stopped a few feet below, probably about. 15 feet below the anchor so that she would have a few minutes to experience the anchor and like that moment by herself. So she could really revel in what she had done. But then I also wanted to watch and be there. And when I got up to the anchor, my mom was crying. My mom turned 50 this year and my mom has been through a lot. She just briefly, she, she was passed around from foster homes until she was eight years old and She was finally adopted and she had her first child when she was 18, um, me when she was 21 and my little brother when she was 22 and she struggles with bipolar disorder and her entire life has just been this fight um, to be the best human she can be but she is just plagued by so much self-doubt and it was so amazing to see my mom be so proud of herself she for such a long time defined herself as a mother and did as best as she could for us that when we got older she had no idea who she was and just lost her identity and it's been a real struggle for her and in the last couple years she started playing in the outdoors and being really curious about what I do and She also is a little catty with other women a lot of the time, and so it was a big step for her to come and to have her do that climb and to experience it, to get along with all of these women and to see what I have been able to do because of the woman she raised me to be, I think was just a really magical moment. And my mom and I in the past have had a pretty complicated relationship, and so to have it be healing in these last, like, five years and culminating in her like supporting my dream and coming here and just being such a cheerleader for me since the beginning of Shimu's Mountains it was pretty special to share that with her to share that moment at the anchors and all of this is about empowering women and to get the opportunity to empower my mother who gave me a lot of her best years is a pretty unique position to be in and one that I'll cherish for a really long time.
1: That's awesome. Well, and, you know, to your mom, um, having raised such a powerful woman, I'm glad that she got to see that today. Because it was the comment she made that, you know, when you moved down here, she was worried you were so far away and what if something happened? And then she sees what you do and what you've created. And it was that moment of her, being like, yeah, you, you've got this. You've got yourself. Yeah, and that that was that was pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Wow. Um, do you think she'll be down for the Mother's Day event?
0: Maybe. <laughs> she that... did say closing weekend.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> the um, and, and this the Mother's Day event is that? Have you always done that?
0: We started it last year, so I mean, we started it in our second season. And that was actually all organized and planned by Joe, our guide. Um, Joe lost her mother to cancer when she was younger. And so she has this day and this time. And she, I try to create opportunities within She Mountains for the women to grow and to create programs if they're passionate about it in the same way that I was given opportunities by Chalkstone. And so Mother's Day weekend was Joe's idea. And Joe brought it to life. And Joe guides it. So I actually have not been a part of that event. That is all her.
1: I'm going to throw down on my mom right now. (laughs) So she's going to be in San Diego, uh, thankfully, this Mother's Day. I haven't had a Mother's Day with my mom for years. But mom, next year, Mother's Day, if... You could be in Smith Rock. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and I love that. I love that you're using this as an ecosystem to create space for guides to grow. Um, oftentimes, we get into things that we feel really passionate about, um, but we feel kind of restrained because we have to we have to operate within like the set boundaries. So at some point. When do you outgrow She Moves Mountains? It, it seems like it's going to take on this huge thing for you, and maybe it leads to another place you want your life to go. Um, or is that a, is that something that's on the, the radar yet?
0: For me, honestly, She Moves Mountains right now, if it stayed this way forever, I would be so content. And I think it's because I have a lot of contentment outside of it. And I don't... I don't imagine myself outgrowing it and I also don't, I don't know how much I want it to grow, but I also see a need for it and so I think what that looks like for me is creating a team that I can really trust that surrounds me and allowing them to grow it and finding people who can fill some of the roles within Shimu's Mountains that I don't necessarily love. And right now, I don't – I'm not someone who thinks about the future a ton. I kind of just think about the next year most of the time. And um, I learned a lot from the last person I dated about trying to think a little bit more forward, and I think that's been really good for me, but it's not something that's natural for me. And so right now, I'm just thinking, like, I want things to do well. This is this is my first year getting to pay myself. Um, and so I'm just in that right now. I'm, I'm in this space of I, I get to pay myself. Um, I love my team. I can sustain myself off of this. And then I can climb all summer long. Like, that's the dream. Like, the dream isn't to – for me, it's never been about, like, Me taking over or anything like that. It's, it's, I was like, uh, it'd be really cool to make. I think I said to you yesterday, my dream in five years, I'd love to make $24,000 a year and teach women to rock climb. And I'm there. And I'm like, okay, maybe maybe dream a little bit more. And I've had this conversation recently with my friends too, where I joked, but it was also true. I'd accomplished my entire bucket list. And so for me, I just, I didn't grow up in this world. I didn't start climbing until I was 25. My life is so much more extraordinary than I could have ever imagined it to be. And I don't look to what's next. I just look to what is and really just try to revel in that and experience it. And I don't know what how to say it. Like, I tell myself when I need something more and when I need something different. And it that always goes through a weird period of time. I actually went through one of those periods of time this summer. This is slightly a tangent and maybe it doesn't
1: no, this is great. tie
0: exactly <laughs> into the question, but... I mean, I had been living out of my van. I had, a, I have a circuit. So if someone asks me where I live, it's a really tough question to answer because every November I live in Indian Creek. Every December I live in Washington. Late December I go to Patagonia. I've been in Patagonia for January, February, into March for the last four years of my life. Come back and I'm at Smith Rock from mid-March to June. Washington in the summertime and then the cycle starts over again. And starting Shimu's Mountains, I had to, to change that a little bit, but I was still trying to, I, I think I needed to change it a little bit, but I was still trying to maintain it because of how adamantly I wanted to keep up with my life. And this summer, after starting the season, it's always the busiest in the beginning. I was like, okay, you're not going to work very much this summer and you're going to go play. And I went to the Wind River Range with one of my heroes for 10 days. And I went to the Bugaboos and climbed the biggest route of my life. And I don't want to take away from those experiences, but I remember thinking, I don't really care to be here. And maybe not I don't care to be here, but being in the Bugaboos on top of this route that I had just done. I climbed the Becky Schnard, and that's, that had been a dream of mine. And I was on top of it being like, that was cool. I can do that neat not this like oh my god I just did that like this is amazing and uh, and in that moment I was like something is wrong something is off and something needs to change and it was weird because I knew that something had been off in the spring and I thought the solution was climbing and so that was my that was how I was taking care of myself I had set aside this time in the summer to like go climbing because that's what made me better in the past like go into nature separate yourself from these things go play and I did that and I was like oh shit I'm still not okay so what now and I, I realized that I think what I needed was stability and so I came back and I had to finish up the season at Smith and closing weekend my guides really looked after me because I, I couldn't I didn't have anything left to give and the Women's Climbing Festival, She Moves Mountains, was the guiding service, and I didn't go because I wasn't okay, and I took some time to myself. I stayed off of social media for like over a month. I climbed, but I also started looking for a home and um, made decisions to to move to Bend and not go to Patagonia for the first time in five years, and so I have been around the area since January, like living in Bend. And I, ha- I had to be, I say all this stability and I've been on the road for the last month, but this is, this is more stable than I've been in a long time and, and I'm happy. And
1: I am compelled to share the words of Edward Abbey here. It's a, an often quoted paragraph and I'll just read the first half. One final paragraph of advice. Do not burn yourselves out. Be as I am, a reluctant enthusiast, a part-time crusader, a half-hearted fanatic. Save the other half of yourselves and your lives for pleasure and adventure. It is not enough to fight for the land. It is even more important to enjoy it while you can, while it's still here. So get out there and hunt and fish and mess around with your friends. Ramble out yonder and explore the forests. Climb the mountains, bag the peaks, run the rivers, breathe deep of that yet sweet and lucid air. Sit quietly for a while and contemplate the precious stillness, the lovely, mysterious, and awesome space. Enjoy yourselves.
0: I'm living my dream again and it's what I needed. So when you ask about like Shimu's Mountains is going to outgrow and it's it will when it needs to and I'll know what I need to do when that time comes. But until then, I'm happy with now. And I think for me, it's just about focusing on how to make Shimu's Mountains as good as it can be right now while still prioritizing my well-being. And then when I feel like it needs to be more then it will become more but until then it's just what it is and that's enough for me God,
1: i love that and especially the, the part about happiness because happiness is a momentary thing and so you're happy right now and that's what's important because you, you need to hold on to it and you've worked for it and the stability that that's what i love about i don't want to coin anything like you know the new american dream but it's not so much now get a house have a family work the same job until you retire we have all of these options open to us now and i love seeing people being okay with yeah maybe i won't buy a house and maybe i'll live in a van for a while because you just go when the season calls for it just do it so when the season calls for stability have somewhere you can call home but you know keep keep the van and when it doesn't go back into the van you know all these kinds of things and that leads to real internal happiness not that like ostensibly like oh look i smile and i walk like this and i am happy kind of thing you know (laughs)
0: So I, this part of also this transition for me is um, that my boyfriend broke up with me and my heart was just in a thousand pieces. He's a lovely human, but relationships can have their challenges. Sure. And after that, I was just trying to figure out like relationships have always been a nice source of stability for me when I'm traveling. It's like really nice to know that someone cares where I'm at and someone knows where i what I'm doing because I'm alone a lot of the time. Yeah. And so coming out of that, I was really trying to redefine like what my life looked like because I already knew it needed to change even before that had happened. And that also forced another source of change for me. And I felt like I was just this open slate. I knew Shimu's Mountains was important and I knew that I wanted it to be important, but I didn't know where to go from there. And during that time of heartbreak, I started getting into meditation very much guided meditation. <laughs> Let's be clear about this. But I found a definition of happiness, and it's one that I've been – I really enjoy. So I'm going to read it to you if that's Please. okay. Yeah,
1: that'd be great.
0: So it says, if happiness is pleasure, we pursue it one way. And it continually frustrates us because pleasure slips through our fingers very quickly. But if we define happiness as the joy you feel when you are moving toward your potential, it provides purpose and direction. And so when I think about that, I think climbing can be both. Climbing can be pleasure, but climbing can also be striving toward your potential. And it all depends on how and why you're motivated to do it. And so for me, what I decided was that I needed to check in with myself and And that's why I've gotten into projecting in the last year because that's how I'm striving for my potential. And it's been really cool. It takes a lot of flailing and failing. But if I (laughs) redefine my happiness as like striving for my potential, then I'm okay with like falling all the time. And I also see that with how I choose to approach She Moves Mountains now is that like, I don't think I need to do things because She Moves Mountains needs to be bigger. I do things because I think I can be better. And I feel the most joy when I'm striving towards my potential. And I don't know what that looks like, but I'm working towards it. And I think that's where my happiness is coming from. And that doesn't mean that every day I'm having tons of pleasure. Um, It doesn't mean that every day is like super fun, objectively, type one. But it does mean that I am bringing my best self to the table. And I think that's what happiness is.
1: I love that. And I I fully agree because – you're, you're always learning about yourself and celebrating the, the little successes and then honoring the little failures and figuring out how to be better from those. Totally. It's you're, you're constantly working math problems, right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> totally.
1: Recently, I've, I've kind of gone through the same like resetting and instead of saying like the goal is in the happiness. It's like, no, the goal is in the process of getting there. And then, then along the way, you set these little milestones and these measurements that are, feel really good to achieve. Does this tie into, and I'm just learning about this, so maybe it's on my mind. I don't know a lot about <laughs> it. Does this tie, How does this tie into you being an eight? The Enneagram. At the time of this conversation, writing with new friends back to Ben from Smith Rock, all piled into Daisy Girl, we were introduced to the Enneagram by Hannah Gadini. She loves it. And now, thanks to her, so do I. But still, I am just scratching the surface. So, take the following for what it is. And, of course, link in the show notes. Take the test. Let me know what you are. For reference, I'm a three. Lizzie is an eight. And our friend Hannah is a two.
0: I don't really know too much about that. We need Hannah for that. I know. We we need (laughs) Hannah. Um, No, so I guess, like, the eight just kind of was like, oh, all these things make sense about you. (laughs) Um, Mine is the challenger. And it's essentially just, like, challenging the status quo or just being... um, doing what you think is right and and following through on it and yeah so it's kind of interesting I mean I don't I I like the Enneagram because it's not like this is going to define what you do it's like you do these things and that defines what you are and um, and it just allows you to learn about yourself so I don't really know if eight has any being (laughs) I I don't see it as like oh I do this because I'm innate it's like I do these things and so I'm innate
1: oh that's awesome I think that definitely goes along with being a challenger.
0: <laughs> Maybe, I guess. That's probably a challenger answer. <laughs>
1: totally, it is. It was It was almost like a punch in the face.
0: That's so funny. did not you define me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. Well, there we go. Wow. <laughs> oh, so... Who is Lizzie Van Patten? To the world, who are you?
0: I don't know who I am to the world.
1: Sorry, who are you going to tell the world that you are?
0: (laughs) If someone ever asks me what I do for work, I just tell them I teach rock climbing. I love that. Um,
1: I always think, like, ask me a better question.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I kind of like that question. I like when people ask it, but sometimes I don't want to have to be anything to the world. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well and that I mean uh, that's so perfect because one of the first photographs I ever saw of you I, and I don't know where you're standing but you have everything I mean there was rock climbing gear and, and mountaineering gear and ski gear and your keyboard and mm-hmm. all these things and it's like I am who I want to be today and that could change
0: the, Yeah, I remember writing that um, a lot of the time my social media posts come from reflection and self thought And I remember coming here, and that actually that photo was taken shortly after I learned that we weren't going to get to continue clinics with Chalkstone. And I remember just being like, man, I don't know what to do. And so I titled that, I am not static. And I explained how I defined myself in this way for so long that when that had to be challenged, I was like, man, I don't know. I went through a, a tumultuous time inside of me where I was like, I've been a climber but I'm injured and I'm a guide but I don't have work and I am a woman but I don't know how to be a woman in this world and I'm these things but I don't know how they fit and I think it's really cool to look back at that picture and be like they didn't fit anywhere I made a place for them
1: Uh, that's like that's really powerful That's, that's what you continue to do. You make a place for all these things and you make them fit and you're carving. And that's what a, that's what a change maker does. You're carving a path and say, no, this is going to work. This is, this is what it has to be.
0: And it's also, I think something that needs to be said too, is that, um, there would never be a place for me if there weren't people who believed in it, you know?
1: And believed in you.
0: And believed in me and believed that that there needed to be a place for that. So I never f- I didn't feel like I fully fit in in any of these spaces, so I just decided to to make my own. But Shimu's Mountains wouldn't exist without the women who show up, you know?
1: Absolutely right. At the
0: end of the day, like we had 300 women who came through, and Hell nothing yeah. that I do matters without those 300 women.
1: You this know? is very true. You, you raise the flag, and then everybody else is going to go towards that flag. Yeah, I mean, I put
0: you. the flag up, but there's people bolsting my arm up there as someone who created the flag with me. <laughs> there's someone who knows I sure in the hell don't know how to sew and that my <laughs> arms get tired when they're, like, being held up so long. And then there's all of the women who are marching behind us. I mean, yes, maybe I did carve a space, but I had a lot of help, and I continue to have a lot of help. And that, I think... Um, what feels really special is that you can't, you believe in something. And so you put this work into it and you're like, is it going to work? Is it going to work? And then you put it out into the world and not everyone's does work. There's a lot of change makers. There's a lot of people who have these ideas and these dreams and they go for it. And it, it's, it's not this magical recipe that you believe in something and then it, it comes to life. And that's that's a sad truth. And so I think it's important to recognize and to acknowledge and to appreciate the fact that, like, the space that I was creating is one that was being received in this time. I mean, I think a lot of the success of Shimu's Mountains comes from the timing and where we're at in this world. And I'm sorry, but if my grandma would have tried to do this, I guarantee it would not have been nearly as successful. And so... There's also something to be said about that. Like I could have existed 20 years sooner and this this would look different and it would have to look different and not because there weren't people like me, but because of the times. And so I don't know why that feels important to say, but it does.
1: Oh, I think it's incredibly important to say and because a lot of people will say yes to the call and it might not be the right time, but that's why it's so important to say yes to the call because it can be the right time and you're, you're proving that, you're showing the world that that it's now's the time
0: and you can't always know the time but I think uh one of the things is like you can't know if you don't try
1: exactly
0: (laughs) and there's been like little road bumps along the way there's been a lot of tears there's been a lot of hard times there's been a lot of questioning but I mean what's the old
1: adage like you know is it better to try and fail or have never tried at all it's one of the oldest ones but it's so true I mean I could continue to talk to you like for hours I really could (laughs) um and I look forward to hopefully having that opportunity as she moves mountains, continues on, and as you keep going through all the seasons of your life. Um, but I want to ask you, and I want to just hand it all over to you. Mm-hmm. Any any parting words in that story, advice, anything like that that you want to share? Um, it's all yours.
0: I feel like I never answer these questions well when I'm given free thought. <laughs> <laughs> I do have, so there's something that it came from a moment when I was in El Shelton my first season and just some background. I didn't climb huge things in El Shelton. I was there, I was there climbing the little guys that's in the Southern regions of Patagonia. And I remember just feeling so much fear before I was about to hike in and I'm not, an overly dramatic person I cry a lot but I usually can be like oh that's just because I'm tired but I was so afraid and I felt really heavy on my heart that I needed to write my my dad and my brothers I figured a message would be passed along to my mom too but she is a warrior and so I wrote m- my parents well, my family this this little Facebook message I was like hey guys I'm like sure I'm going to be totally fine, but I'm really afraid right now. And if something happens to me, I, I want to have said this to you all. And so I guess what I would want to share with the world is kind of similar in that um, it's okay to be fearful. Fear is what keeps us alive, but never let the fear of the unknown keep you stagnant. And if you ever feel yourself being called to do something, do it. You don't know what's going to happen until you start showing up. And especially for women these days, there are a lot of opportunities for us out there. But no one can force us to show up. And it's, up to us to start stepping into these roles and I think people might not like that I'm putting the emphasis on women to start showing up, but um, I think it's important and I'm really excited to exist in a world today that is creating these opportunities for us.
1: Lizzie Van Patten, what a joy it has been to get to know you, to have this conversation, and have a chance to share it through the podcast. Thank you again so much for taking the time and energy. Truly, I cannot say thank you enough. And to everyone listening, my endless gratitude for your support, your kind words, your encouragement, and for giving me the opportunity to be here with you time and time again. It means everything. The Wilder Mind Podcast is hosted and produced by yours truly. The theme song is written by the ever-so-talented Alexis Tia. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and wherever you're with, to your wildest self, be true. Oh,
0: Hannah. Oh, my God, you have to hear this. So Hannah says, hey, lady, just came by to grab my rope. Heard you and Cody recording and didn't want to disturb you. I grabbed a pass off of a computer. Is that one mine? Also hope you get this in time, because if it isn't, I'm still driving away in two minutes. Uh, I was going to wait for a break and knock softly, but then I was like, oh, Cody's a three. If I interrupt them, he'll hate that. (gasps) Oh, my
1: God, that makes me so happy. Oh.